When I joined the club three years ago, I went to Tottenham for the first time. Wow. I mean, it's, that's a cathedral of rugby, that is. What, what a stadium that is. The Red 78 with Alan Quinlan and Neil Briggs. Subscribe to the Rugby Channel and the OTB Sports app and turn on your notifications now. The News Round on Off The Ball. With Gillette for an effortless finish to your day. New Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. This is News Talk. Welcome, 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 welcome. It is Wednesday nights off the ball. It's Richie McCormick here with you right through until 10pm tonight and a jam-packed show on the way for you. The fallout from a rocket attack in Jeddah continues and its impact on the Formula One season. We'll be discussing a controversial weekend in Saudi Arabia with the Times' Rebecca Clancy on the way this hour after 8 o'clock. Is a booze ban required at the Aviva Stadium? Jerry Thornley will be on with us on Wednesday Night Rugby to discuss the issue of atmosphere at the Lansdowne Road venue. And we'll also look ahead to this weekend's crucial Six Nations trip to Toulouse for the Irish women's rugby team. We'll be talking the Six Nations show after 8 o'clock. And on the football show tonight as well, we'll look back on last night's last gasp win over Lithuania at the Aviva Stadium. The booing of Harry Maguire and lots, lots more besides with Dan McDonald. Delighted to say I'm joined this evening for the news round for uh, tonight for, by Anne-Marie Donlan in studio and also by Maeve McCarthy in studio. Three people in studio. Oh, feels nice and busy in here. This, this feels like some renegade kind of action. I don't think we're going to be able to get away with it. Uh, the first thing we should we should touch on is obviously last night's game because it's almost drifting from the consciousness now as it's probably you know uh, better off to do because for 96 minutes and 30 <laughs> seconds or whatever last night it was really unremarkable stuff. How much does a 97th minute winner or is it 96th minute or 97th minute? 96th or 97th minute winner forgive an entire performance is the question because to be honest in the moment they forgave it a lot for me I have to say it was such a spectacular and thrilling goal that you were kind of going Yo, this is this is what football's all about and you yeah. forget that you've just scraped the win over Lithuania in a pretty underwhelming performance the main thing I could think of last night while watching that game was if it, like, did you ever go to the cinema because uh, I had like a bunch of tabs open watching uh, completely legally of course uh, the African playoffs because <laughs> the African playoffs were where it was at last night because like there was so much at stake there was away goals still in play uh, there was obviously rivalries being rekindled from the AFCON and all this kind of stuff and you know Premier League players uh, trying to get through to the World Cup and Chris Hewton trying to get through to the World Cup too um, but I had the Ireland game on and it, was, and it was like with all these World Cup playoffs going on do you ever get to the cinema and you're like alright I'm going to see Spider-Man but you don't buy tickets in, like, in the first place you don't buy tickets in advance so you get there and they're like oh it's sold out it's like oh we're here now Oh yeah, we go. We go and watch something else, and you go and watch whatever the third or fourth film is on there because it's oh, it's wow. empty and it's available. That's what last night felt like. I seen yeah. a really bad horror with Ethan Hawke uh, in that exact scenario before, and I can't tell you any more about it other than it was really bad. It happened. It's, yeah. it, it took up two hours of your life. <laughs> what was it doing in the cinema? Was a question. Yeah, I see what you mean, but at the same time, I still think there's an in- intrigue with Stephen Kenny's Ireland TM and everything that goes along with it uh, at the moment. And I still think we are seeing and witnessing that evolution of a style of play, whether you like it or not. And it wasn't great at times last night that I still think, at least it captures my attention for the 90 minutes. So even though there was a lot more important things happening in the world last night, I still couldn't take my eyes off it, I have to say. I thought it was, uh, again, for good and bad, and there was a lot of bad. But, you know, ultimately, Troy Parrott came on and kind of changed the game. He was very good all the way through. It wasn't just a winner. So that's something positive to take. I think there's a few other little positives to take. Ultimately, overall, as a week, a good one last night, just a little bit under par. Yeah. And really, last week, like six days ago, I was in this chair and we were talking about these two friendlies coming up and how they weren't 
like previous friendlies had been uh, a referendum on how Stephen Kenny was doing because the contract signed we're all settled in we know how long he's going to be there for now these were all about performance and, and possibly getting results um, last night even as dull as it was in patches never really felt like one of those games where we got angry watching it because it was so dull you're just like alright it was like an old school friendly in the day like when you yeah. watch like Ireland play Switzerland in front of like 10,000 people at the Aviva it's just a game that happened and you kind of forget about it almost instantly and you don't want to say it means nothing because like Will King got a first start maybe wasn't that impressive Stephen Kenny got to see other squad members and judge what they may or may not be made of but I don't think anybody came away from that game or would have come away from that game finishing it all gone for God's sake like here we are again it was just alright let's forget it and move on well, I, I think I kind of disagree I think okay. if we had come away nil all last night the frustrations of that would have been so much stronger than the positives out of the Belgian right. game and everyone left last night in good form because there was a last minute winner and it was a cracker of a goal but can you imagine the different situation we'd be sitting in here today if we had drawn one or nil all with Lithuania like Ireland needs to find a way to beat these teams that they are technically so much better right. at and that's what's frustrating and they're these teams that are set up to frustrate Ireland and Stephen Kenny does need to find a way around that like it is good that the international windows aren't as divisive as they were only a few (laughs) months ago that is positive but I can imagine that we would be in a very different situation sitting here if it wasn't for the goal last night it almost feels like you were saying outside Ron it feels like it's a bizarre window because there's no rows around this team there's no rows about how the team performed there's no rows about who who isn't vaccinated it's just like two games happened two games went okay Let's move on to June. But Nathan mentioned it as well in commentary last night. Like Ireland just seemed to match the team that is in front of them and they're getting up for these big performances like a la the Portugal games. But like they just need to find a way of beating these sides that they are so much better than. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it was quite evident from early on what, what Lithuania were at. And it was, they were, <laughs> was so <laughs> funny. The times I saw our manager giving out about time wasting in a friendly was I, hilarious. But, I think but that's what they were doing. That, the that's off. actually worth talking about. Like their goalkeeper was absolutely hilarious all the way through. It was the, the, a sub came off on like the 81st minute or something and was like celebrating like kind of you know he get, he gave the guy that was coming on the real big kind of like double fist like we've done it we've done it we've held That's Ireland a, a terrible football team to a nil all draw away from home in a, in a friendly yeah so there was some of that and I think I think Amory's dead right actually I think it would have t- left a real sour taste in the mouth because I think it would have been evident of an inability to break down these teams mm. should we have played five at the back three at the back whatever you want to yeah. describe it as last night against a team that were so much better than and we're going to have so much pos- more possession then and I think look that's why I don't think it is ha- we had these friendlies we move on to June I think there's a bit to talk about there's a bit to take from them and one of them is we need a new plan against worse teams and we've you know it seems like we're definitely on the right track against the bigger teams we need to mix those things up. International football is about making sure you bloody beat Lithuania and then see what happens against Belgium. Creativity is an issue. Like, yeah. watching them last night, that, that midfield was as blunt as a butter knife and Will Keane seems like a game lad. He's not an international footballer. I think it's it's probably a, a fair assessment. But but then, like, who is? That's what I was going to say. I don't know if we have a huge amount of international footballers, but it was, it was a funny one last night. You've seen Scott Hogan come on and you're like, wow, like, I really just didn't think that Scott Hogan was still around. Now, why not? He's playing at a level above Will Keane. He's, play, he's scoring goals in the championship. You just kind of felt that there was something about this Ireland team that had moved on from Scott Hogan. If that's unfair, maybe it is. James McLean brought on last night. Like, I don't know about you, Richie, but I've had enough of seeing... And I, this, isn't, this isn't actually... 
This is, James McLean has been an unbelievable server for Ireland and can still be. He can still do the job against Belgium, against like, his tenacity and his work rate and everything else that goes with a James McLean performance. For, isn't always perfect, but I think it's probably worth its spot against the better teams that need all of that. You've had the same against the better that, teams when the last night. you need night. that bit of guile or that bit of subtlety, yeah. James McLean, we didn't need him to come on and chase the game last night. What we, need, what we didn't need to see was James McLean faint right and cut left <laughs> 403 times good in 25 move. minutes of football. It's a good move. Um, the McLean thing is interesting because I, like, and I think the substitutions as a whole because your perception is in friendlies is that you use them to get as, as much of a look at players that you possibly can. You're not going to learn absolutely anything about James McLean by bringing him on, but I guess Stephen Kenny probably felt he needed to bring him on to get a result out of the last night's match. Similarly, bringing on two thirds of Saturday's midfield with ten minutes to go, simply because we need to suddenly beat Lithuania out of nowhere. Like that, they were odd substitutions, but they were substitutions made out of necessity, I guess. But like, there's still players that I want to see involved. Like, I would have loved to have seen these games, or at least last night, as an opportunity to have a look at Festi Ebiselli. Yeah. Like that, I, I, I think that would have been brilliant because the season he's had, the fact he's going on to Udinese, there's clearly something about this lad that we need to see how it will fit in to an international setup. I know the Michael Abafemi thing has been explained to death and he didn't want to come over because of you know fitness issues or concerns. You tell him he's starting against Lithuania, I imagine his attitude about coming over has probably changed a little bit. But McLean is an interesting one because McLean, I think, is one of these players who wonder Kenny is actually flourished is probably a bit strong I would say he's probably had the most consistent 12 months as an Irish international that he's ever had and um, uh, uh, do you not think so? Mid O'Neill era surely was James McLean's most consistent and most effective period and like effective I'd probably agree with consistent I'd probably say this has probably been his most consistent period and they can be two slightly divergent things they can they can yeah Uh, look I think I look I'm one of the last defenders sometimes of, of James McLean you know, I do. There's there are obvious issues with some of his distribution and final balls and so on. But some like some of the things that you especially you see in the stadium of his work rate in particular. You know, he I, lifts the crowd as well. He really does, and it, it actually never fa- fails to amaze me sometimes seeing the the type of work that he gets through. But I'm just saying, we know what James McLean can do in much the same point that you're making. But sometimes you need to get your best team together to go and say, do you know what, a test of this team that is still in its infancy and still in you know, its development is to go and see, right, we need to go and score a late goal against Lithuania, what have you got? Mm. Let's put on the big guns. I, kind of, I don't mind that so much. You don't always need to give young guys the run because what good is the run to them in a situation that isn't going to be replicated and they're not going to be playing with the players they're going to be playing, etc. But in this case, I just think that we've seen what McLean can do so, so many times against the lesser teams. I think that we need a slightly different type of player in that position. Again, it's a weird one. I honestly think that James McLean should be held for the bigger games. It's, it's, it's a very, very strange opinion, I'll grant you, but I think that he offers something serious against Belgium. I, you could pick out five or six things. I've heard people talk about it, about what James McLean didn't do or bad balls or bad crosses against Belgium. But in general, I thought he contributed to the game. Last night, I just thought he got in the way. <laughs> Troy, well, he was almost he was he was almost in for a, well, he almost set up a goal, um, but was undone by a late Troy Parrott pass. But Parrott is the one plus point really to come out of that game. That and and Josh Cullen, like Stephen Doyle, so I made the point. Uh, Josh Cullen had a hell of a night last night by not playing, 
And I think Adamida had a great week as well by not playing. <laughs> yeah. Because you suddenly see what they do offer by virtue of their absence. Yeah, absolutely. I thought I thought we saw a lot of what Josh Cullen could offer on Saturday as well, though, in yeah. terms of what, what he actually did on the field. But yeah, I, t- I tend to agree with you about Adamida. Oh, the forwards are just so frustrating at times because we've got the Callum Robinson that we just don't know which one we're going to get in a day and he has to be in the team yeah. because of how good he can be on his day and we're actually getting it even in bursts within games now and he's just he's disappearing and then he might do something brilliant like he did at the weekend it's just so frustrating we just look Richie we don't we, we have the players to play any kind of way possible I'm not going to this reductive argument of you have to play a certain way but we don't have the players to be picking and choosing as to who is good enough for international football. And we're not going to magic them out of nowhere either. No. Like, yeah, so we have to kind of... So was it, was it... See, that's the point, though. Was last night back to... If you're kind of saying, oh, it was a nothing friendly and it, it, it felt like an old school against Switzerland or whatever. But for me, there was times last night where it was back to the frustrations of the... What am I doing? Why am I was- why am I watching this match? What, what good is it doing <laughs> for my life? Putting myself through You know, this. and I didn't feel like that for the last four or five months or whoever right? remember the last ten games or whatever it's it is it's an after the, the Lord Mayor show thing because Belgium was always going to be yeah. the one I think if Lithuania if, but if, if we went out and won three or four nil I think if the, I think if, there were, if the if the order of these friendlies were flipped I think you probably would have seen a different game against Lithuania than we saw last night I think the fact that they put in such a good performance against Belgium Lithuania saw what Ireland are you know potentially capable of in that game and then thought you know what, we're going to play five at the back, we're going to play you know, a hard line, we're not going to let them through, play a low block, have our midfield sit deep, and we're not going to give anything away. And Lithuania, to be fair to them, did that. And again, it's just a problem that we're always going to come up against. We've no creativity in midfield. No. And from that aspect, the likes of Conor Herron, I don't think had a great game last night. And le- le- you know, there are probably others as well. If you were there, if you're watching, let us know. 53106 uh, for 30 cent. Is and look, a guy who just scored 20, or just turned 20, scored an absolute screamer in the last second with patience and skill, uh, you know, and, 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 and won the game for us. And yeah. look, let's, let's be positive about it instead of coming on here moaning like two, two <laughs> I was going to say two, two alphas, two, two alphas and an L one, coming on moaning about the game. Harrod needed that though, he, <laughs> he did. did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, big time. Considering he's been brought on for 15 seconds against Belgium. We've been talking about Harrod for how long now and it was getting a bit annoying how much talking we were doing, he did need that. Keith Andrews did a great selling job on him during the week by the way, he said he was in yeah. great form, he's in a good place and he comes on and scores the winner then <laughs> in the 96. But he is seven. actually in very good form, I know he, I scored yeah. two in one yeah. game for MK Dons but his performances have been the most consistent yeah. of his career actually as well, so to your point like him coming on and actually doing that and getting that big, big, big moment for Ireland, it kind of launched him into a position where he wasn't in at the start of this window which is like he should be we should be thinking about whether or not Parrot is going to be starting mm. not saying he definitely should but he's in that conversation now whereas he wasn't at the start of the week I think it's a very good case for him to, to be made to be starting in June whatever formation or whatever uh, uh, June uh, takes out text wise we were up from Limerick and brought the kids don't underestimate the fun value and feeling around the stadium way better than what was there prior to Kenny from an anonymous texter uh, also I've seen Liverpool and other teams with superb strikers take over 90 minutes to break down a defensive team way too hard on Ireland says this texter and also Dean Dublin says James McLean simply is a legend which is uh, nice now thank you for your texting yeah. Fight. Nobody in this room disagrees with that, do they? I think he's grand. He has been. Like, I mean, he, he has. We haven't had that many 
amazing moments in our history, and James McLean was responsible for at least two of them that I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, six for your text. You can tweet us at Off the Ball. The news round is brought to you with Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. And we're starting uh, with news of a partially successful appeal, I guess, Emery. Yeah, National Hunt jockey Robbie Dunn has had his 18-month ban reduced down to 10 after an appeal today. Dunn was banned for 18 months in December of last year. That was for bullying and harassing fellow rider Bryony Frost. The appeal panel chair, Anthony Boswood, said today that his behaviour was thoroughly reprehensible and disgraceful, but that the initial punishment was very severe. As his ban at the time was with immediate effect, it means he will return to racing in October. Uh, 13 minutes to go in the uh, the quarterfinals of the Women's Champions League and quite the occasion at the Camp Nou because they've got a pretty much a full house there this evening for this. Yeah, a sold out Camp Nou and Barcelona lead Real Madrid 5-2. That's after 75 minutes. So on aggregate there, Barcelona, who are the reigning champions, lead 8-3 in just over half an hour's time. At 8 o'clock, Paris Saint-Germain go into their home leg against Bayern Munich with a 2-1 advantage. Massive occasion to have 80,000 yeah. in the Camp Nou for that, isn't it? It's absolutely brilliant. I didn't know that now, actually. To be, for <coughs> that to be sold out is... Yeah. And to get a 5-2 then isn't, too, isn't bad either, you know, against Real Madrid. Exactly what you want. That, yeah. That's exactly the type of story that we need, isn't it, for... You know, to like, here's the other thing. If you're somebody that has doesn't really watch women's football, and you're flicking through the channels tonight, and you see a full new camp, yeah, you're gonna stop and watch that game. It's gonna feel important. It's gonna feel like a big deal, which it obviously is. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an argument we come up against when you're trying to sell, I guess, League of Ireland football as well. Is if something looks like an occasion, yeah, exactly. and something looks like it's an event, you will gravitate towards it. You'll at least be curious, and if you're curious, you might come back and sample again, and that's where women's football is at the moment and you look at the numbers they did in terms of the, the European Championship final the tickets they sold out for that in, in jig time yesterday yeah. as well it's absolutely incredible uh, but lots of contract news going on around Munster as well this week uh, we obviously heard that Damien Delende is out the door we'll uh, discuss that with Jerry Thorney on Wednesday at Rugby but more in terms of HR for Munster today Emery yeah, Gavin Coombs has signed a contract extension with Munster that will see him remain at the province until at least 2025. The 24-year-old has scored 21 tries in 49 appearances and he's in line to make his 50th appearance against Leinster on Saturday evening. The news, though, comes on the same day that the province announced flanker Chris Clute is set to leave at the end of the season. That's for English side Bath, the 31-year-old South African, set to link up with current Munster head coach Yo. Han Van Gran there. Elsewhere then Connick's Tom Daly has received a three match ban after being sent off against Leinster last weekend. The centre was dismissed following a challenge on Kieran Frawley that was during their URC clash at the sports ground. He'll therefore miss their first leg of the Heineken Champions Cup last 16 tie which is against Leinster. He could The ban could be reduced to two matches though meaning that he would be back for the second leg. Yeah as I mentioned we'll discuss uh, the comings and goings at once with Jerry Thornley on Wednesday night rugby after eight o'clock tonight, including the uh, departure, impending departure of Damien Delaney, it seems for Japan at least. Anyway, we're talking. Um, we recorded this a little bit earlier on, but we're talking with, with Jerry Mick and mm. the, the Damien Delaney thing is is he, he raised an odd stat, and I think it speaks volumes of how Damien Delaney will or won't be remembered at Munster, and it's almost unfair on him because. This upcoming game with Leinster will be his sixth against Leinster, or will be Munster's sixth against Leinster during his time in the province. The first with fans present. Yeah, and it's just like you guess he would be remembered more fondly if there were more appearances in front of twenty thousand people in Thomond than 
several with none. Isn't that it, though? We were talking about him earlier, and it was like, he's one of those ones that's going to go down as a disappointment, but it, there's been monster signings like that before, big names that have been almost disastrous. It hasn't been that. He's been fine, but it just hasn't been memorable. Yeah. And it hasn't kicked him on to that next gear that you want to be in. It's entirely because of that, really, isn't it? It's like, it's been a... It's been a, obviously a weird couple of years for everyone, but I feel like Munster almost in particular. There's yeah. <laughs> something about, obviously, as you just mentioned, the they're in flux. Park and Van Graan is going. Yeah. They've been subject to the, obviously, like everybody else has, the, the pandemic. And it's just, it was just a bizarre time, unfortunately, for him. And no you, fault of his own. You kind of knew he wasn't going to be around forever either. Yeah. So You needed a big impact. You, you, were always big on, yeah, yeah. you were always on your way out with him as well. You were always kind of thinking it was like almost an elongated loan spell. And, yeah, nothing's ever got going. It's kind of disappointing, really, because you see him, this guy playing for South Africa, and you're like, you know, if you were even thinking now, you'd be like, oh, yeah, Jesus, what, what are Munster going to do with this guy? He's a perfect player for them. Uh, you know, almost like a, an, an upgrade on Halstead from years ago. You remember yeah, that yeah, exact yeah. position? Like, But, no, like, unfortunately, it grand. didn't work out. Malachi Fekatoa for them next season, so not all's lost. It's going to be <laughs> grand. Uh, I was, as I mentioned, uh, tab surfing last night, watching the different playoffs, and this story is was just absolutely incredible to watch in real time and how nothing was done about it at the time but there will be uh, some comeback from Egypt on this one yeah, Egypt have launched an official complaint against Senegal claiming members of their side were subjected to racism and terrorised by their fans last night. Sadio Mane's winning penalty against or sealed Senegal's World Cup place with his Liverpool teammate Mo Salah among those to miss for Egypt. Egypt captain Salah was one of several visiting players targeted by green laser pointers during the shootout. It is also claimed the Egyptian team bus was attacked, causing injuries. Yeah, first of all, the, the roar when Mane's penalty went in last night is like nothing I've heard before. It was absolutely incredible. Mm. in their new stadium in Dakar, just a wonderful facility. But on the flip side of that, did you, did you see the laser stuff? Yeah. yeah. Just like, I, I remember watching, one of, one of the angles they had obviously was the shooting from behind the goal towards the player who was taking it. So it was shooting Mane. <laughs> uh, and look at getting his face but with that the Egyptian keeper was having laser pointers shot into his face and they're not those little bitty ones remember you used to get on holidays in Spain where you bring them back and your teacher would have them confiscated within an hour because you were messing with it in class they were like big yokes that mm. you could literally make out the people holding them so how nothing was done about like clearly obviously the stewards probably didn't had a hand in them going oh, it's fine maybe they're just yeah. showing them in their faces but just like how it didn't affect the keeper or Salah or the other penalty takers is beyond me well didn't it it did like it, yeah. it obviously did like Salah's so strong on penalties and the absolute state of his penalty last night like he always usually goes low and hard down the middle and like it was awful like it's clear and obvious that it did affect him and I just don't know how anything was done like why wasn't the shootout stopped until the lasers stopped well, it's, it's, it's not as if it just started during the penalties like I was watching the full game the it was game, happening yeah. during the whole game anytime Salah was on the ball you just saw this uh, trace of green dots around him yeah, following Sal- around his face looked like a heat map at one stage yeah, there's yeah. that picture going around of it it was absolutely bizarre it's incredible though as well because the Senegal Egypt going to penalties again mm. Mane Salah there's and such Salah a great sports story in that on its own this time yeah exactly yeah. take it at the Africa Cup of I will, yes. I will say this I'm glad I don't have to watch three Egypt games in the winter because after watching through the AFCON and watching mm. last night one of the worst sides you could ever hope to be subjected to and it's all down to Carlos Quiroz just a terribly negative manager just terribly negative yeah. would have made a brilliant Ireland boss about five years ago <laughs> but like just like oh infuriating to watch because 
there are players in there that are capable of so much more uh, on the other side of that as well huge night for Chris Hutton last night too yeah the former Republic of Ireland player and assistant manager who has been involved with Ghana was involved with them last night as they became the first African nation to reach the 2022 World Cup in Qatar that was through away goals after a one-all draw with Nigeria as I said he's been their technical advisor since February of this year that was an appointment that surprised many at the time but George Botang has said that they have been delighted with how it's worked out. It's been fantastic to, to have Chris Hutton on board um, because of his experience and he was working with us as a technical advisor for the technical staff. So basically assisting the head coach, assisting the assistant coaches around giving us tips and guidance on how to proceed and how to make sure that we are always ahead of, of the game, ahead, we have a plan A, plan B, and even a plan C. We had to adapt a lot of times because the game initially was being played in Cape Coast, the first leg, was moved slight, uh, then to Kumasi, where Chris was really, really instrumental, telling us what to do, how to go about it. And he was constantly warning us, George, Otto, don't worry about things that you can't really control. Just keep going. And his, his guidance was immense and we owe him a lot of, uh, a big thank you also to Chris Hutton. Yeah, George Boateng there um, speaking about, he's part of a, essentially an all-star cast that are in charge of, of managing Ghana. Initially, it was just for these first two games against Nigeria. They got installed after the Africa Cup of Nations. They're going to be going to the World Cup now in Qatar. And this is almost going under the radar that Chris Hutton is like is going to a World Cup. It's brilliant. Under the radar, I was I didn't know about it. It was like I knew <laughs> I, last night or whatever. I did I missed the story in February, whatever a month yeah. ago that that uh, I must have been out that day or whatever that uh, that Chris Hutton had gone to Ghana with George Botang. It's brilliant. Yeah. Like what? What a brilliant little subplot that's going to be in the World Cup. It's a mad appointment, not because Chris Hutton is is X, Y, and Z, but I, like I was following this story, doing it up for the website, and any developments that came on, I was kind of on top of. Their ministry is involved or was involved in, in the appointment of the coaching staff. So there was initial talk that Hutton was going to be, uh, he was in his duel uh, with the current head coach, whose name escapes me, I'll, I'll Google it in a sec. But they're, they're in a duel essentially for the job. And then it was like, no, no, he's not. Chris Hutton's not in the running. Then he was, then he wasn't. Then he was on holiday in the country, then he wasn't. Then it was talk he was going to get a technical director job or, and that the head coach didn't want to work alongside him. So there was this dance before they ever got involved with one another and then the, all three of them uh, were appointed uh, a couple of months ago and they're now going to a World Cup and congratulations to uh, to Ghana it's going to yeah it's brilliant absolutely brilliant to see an Irish manager there um, the other side of, of the friendly action last night as well was over in Wembley uh, Cote Var were playing England and the main story coming out of it was of course the booing of Harry Maguire yeah, and England manager Gareth Southgate, captain Harry Kane and Jordan Henderson have all condemned that booing last night. The out-of-form Manchester United defender was jeered by some sections of supporters in the early stages of their 3-0 friendly win over Ivory Coast, which was at Wembley. Southgate has called it ludicrous and says he is a vital part of his side. I, I, I get why people aren't that fond of Harry Maguire in terms of his form at the minute. What, the booing? achieves while he's playing for them I don't get yeah ludicrous is a great word but you have to remember in England generally there will be club loyalties that will somewhat override their national team so you go in there as fans of other teams everybody naturally dislikes Manchester United and there's a Harry Maguire is the guy we all hate at the moment let's boo him you know I think there's a bit of that going on you know it's weird I think I, I 
the justif- uh, the justification I saw a lot of, well quote unquote justification I saw a lot of last night was well he's ru- why, why are they picking him if he's playing so badly it's like well he is he has been picked you booing him is not going to go going to have Gareth Southgate go actually I've made a mistake here lads can we make an early substitution <laughs> and haul him off it's just after five minutes yeah, yeah. yeah. he's I, a player though that seems to seriously suffer with his confidence I so think like I think a lot of players do and maybe it's not necessarily made that evident. I think the spotlight that he's under at the moment is really difficult to deal with. I don't oh, think he's a bad footballer. Oh no, but what I mean is like I don't see what kind of position they possibly put themselves in by booing him. Like he yeah. was in the team of the tournament for the Euros only nine months ago. Like he is, they're not going to win anything without him playing well. And he is a player that kind of goes into himself and does suffer from lapses of confidence. And their their centre half uh, depth chart is not as deep as, as it probably no. had been because there was talk before about you know the likes it's Ben Mee and Tarkovsky coming up from, from Burnley and they're just they're not as they're not close. at that level yeah, yeah, yeah. even Toro Mings is, is, is probably not at the level he was 18 months ago the only thing with Maguire is you're getting to the point now where it's going to be hard for Maguire to come out of this like players do and you always you'll have these pieces oh 12 months ago everything looked terrible for Harry there's Maguire there's adjacent elements to this now it's it's building. It's yeah. it's 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 a uh, it's gathering moss. Uh, <laughs> what's the? I, I mix up two metaphors there. I think. <laughs> Sorry, Richie. Uh, do you know what? While you're while you're lost in laughter here, I'm going to mention that Tyrone yeah. Mings thing. I didn't realize how great a night it was for Aston Villa until just now. Ollie because you had Ali Watkins yeah. scoring uh, his second international goal. You had Tyrone Mings scoring. You had John McGinn scoring for Scotland. And Villa legend George Bothang bringing Ghana to the World Cup. I didn't put all those things together. So. I got them in there. What time is it? Seven thirty-one. I got my villa, villa, villa propaganda. Um, do it. I guess this has been the rumbling big story of the week uh, to finish off with. Amarine, it looks like uh, we've got another major name waiting in on it. Yeah, Rory McIlroy says golf is better with Tiger Woods involved. As he said, speculation continuing to mount about Woods possibly playing at next week's Masters. That's after he played a practice round at Augusta yesterday. The five-time winner hasn't played competitively since suffering multiple injuries in a car crash last year. The Masters is the only major to elude McIlroy. He says, though, that he hopes 46-year-old Woods is involved. I mean, I think for golf and for the Masters tournament and for everyone to have Tiger there would be phenomenal. I mean, I think it just adds to the event. Of course it does. Anything Tiger Woods does in the game of golf um, is heightened whenever he's there. So, I mean, it would be awesome for him to be there. Um, you know, he was there yesterday, obviously, and he's, he's trying to see what he can do. So, obviously, no one knows but him if he, if he can, you know, make it round and think, you know, if he believes he can compete. Does anything he does surprise you anymore? Yeah, everything. <laughs> I mean, people, I've said this so many times, but from you know, basically March of 2017, fast forward two years and, and he wins the Masters and where he was with his body and what he had to do to get back to being somewhat healthy and it's not even being somewhat healthy it's also what he has to do before the round and after the round just to get himself ready to go and play golf I mean yeah this this year um, will and perseverance and yeah I mean it's it is incredible and you know if he comes back from this again it's just yeah I mean he he likes to prove people wrong he likes to prove himself wrong I think and um, you know, regardless of when he does come back, whether it's next week or a few weeks, you know, or a few months down the line, uh, you know, he's he's a wonderful addition to the game, and 
uh, and the game of golf is better with when he when he's playing and, and when he's playing well. Mick, you're convinced he's going to win next weekend. You? <laughs> I just think, look, what age was uh, Jack Nicklaus when he won the 86 Masters? Yeah. I think he was 46, I'm not sure, I should look that up. Oh, symmetry as well. Yeah, like exactly, yeah, you know, okay. so Woods is 46 now, he'd come back, win that one more. We kind of already won the one more though, Yeah. but this would be this even is more one. magic. Yeah. And even if there's one man who can do it, it's probably not Tiger. Probably not Tiger. I don't think he can do it.